Well, good morning. It's great to have you here. Hope you all had a wonderful and happy Easter. I get to speak to you today on behalf of the council, um, so just imagine I'm one of them. Um, they would like to invite you to Pastor Jason's ordination, which will be next Sunday, April 18th. It'll be over in the sanctuary at 3 o'clock p.m. We'll have refreshments and, I think, treats for you afterwards. And I know he would be honored if you would all be able to be there. So um, with that, I'm going to bring him up. I'm going to pray for him. And I know he has a good message for us today. All right, would you pray with me? Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for Jason and the words that you have been preparing in him, that he's wrestled over, that he has um, put pen to paper, and, and God, that he has really truly tried to live out. Um, God, I just pray that you help us to understand what it means to be unconvenienced in our anger. Um, God, as we wrestle through this, we know that you have an ultimate plan for us, and you gave us emotions. God, help us to figure out what to do with them. Lord, we give this day to you and ask that Jason's words be yours. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, I had to move the podium because I don't like podiums. <laughs> they, feel, they feel so official. Hey, I just want to clear something up real quick and, uh, in case you all are wondering. I got my wife. Uh, she got a new car. And it's a, no, that's not an applause. No, there's a reason for it. Um, apparently, I've been getting emails and text messages because someone at Pure Pleasure has the exact same car. And my wife has been getting texts saying, hey, having fun? <laughs> and, and I had somebody who's like, so did you just borrow your wife's car? And I'm like, is it possible that there are two types of the same car? But she has, it's a bright teal, and there's only like two in all the city, and we found out the hard way. So I just wanted to clear that up with y'all, just so you were aware. Well, hey, happy Easter. How's everybody doing? How was everybody's Easter last week? Now, we can give a clap. Jesus is risen. Amen. Um, if you don't know me, you just got a weird introduction to me there. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Zion. On behalf of our staff and all who call this home, if you're new with us, welcome. And if you're online with us, thank you for joining in. Um, God has been doing some really cool things, and I'm just going to be a little vulnerable with you here. This is a message that I really had to wrestle with. Uh, and I don't know about you, how many of you ever had situations in your life where you really have to check yourself? You have to make sure that you're in the right place. Well, this is one of those ones, and I want you to hear this, that before I ever preach to you, I preach to me. Uh, and I don't have to have this figured out, nor do you, but we should always be a people in process. Amen? We should always be people who are willing to ask ourselves the tough, tough questions. Don't go there. <laughs> Apparently, that's the spot. <laughs> And this was one of those messages for me. And it's continuing on our Sermon, Sermon on the Mount multi-series event. And we started what was called the unconvenienced or the breakthrough life. And today we're going to be looking at a really tough topic, which is anger. Uh, un to be unconvenienced is this. It's this. This is all about finding breakthrough by intentionally choosing to put yourself in the direct path of discomfort to become more like Jesus. And this was one of those ones that as I was preparing for this, I had to put myself in the path of God's word and the Holy Spirit and ask God, okay, are there things in my life that I need to work through? Now, there are two words that we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, we began the series right before Easter. And they're two kind of Christianese words. Yes, Christianese is a very Christianese word. It's our own language. And if you're not familiar with church, 
We all organizations, all people have insider language. It's just natural. And there are two words that I want to just, again, reiterate if you're new with us or if you've never heard these. The first one is what we call breakthrough. Breakthrough is the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit and God's Word to set us free from sinful beliefs, lies, and behaviors that have imprisoned us and kept us stuck. How many of you have those old tapes in your head that you need to be set free from? By a show of hands, how many of you have tapes like that? We all do. All of us. In fact, if you didn't raise your hand, can you and I talk? Because I'd love to know your secret. Like those, we need those things that keep us stuck. We need breakthroughs, those walls that imprison us. Strongholds are the spiritual fortresses attached to unhealthy beliefs about God, others, or even ourselves that we think are actually protecting us, but in reality are prisons. We all need breakthrough from our strongholds. And those strongholds come from all different kinds of places. And so I I want you to hear this. If you missed it two weeks ago, you can go online and watch the first, the the series on this. And if you didn't get a chance to watch it before, please do go to zionclearlake.org and you'll see it on the front page. And you can turn in or tune in and watch the first series where we talked about when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, to tear it down, to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. And then Jesus goes on over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at things where God wants to bring breakthrough in your life. And these are things that some of them may not resonate with you. My wife and I were talking about this and she goes, you know, here's the thing. You're not a very angry person. I'm not. I don't get angry easily. I get frustrated. Now, my wife and I have had many conversations. My wife, because we're different, there's a difference between anger and frustration. How many of you guys get that? Right? To be frustrated is I'm like, ah, to be angry is like, ah, right? Like two different things. I don't deal with anger a lot. But when I do, and, and it's a human emotion, it's a real thing. And Jesus has some stuff to say about this. Now, I, I want to tell you, Jesus gets right to it. He doesn't just push into it. Again, he didn't come to abolish the law, but what laws are he, is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the Ten Commandments, as, long, as well as all the other laws, but specifically the Big Ten. And over the next seven weeks, Jesus addresses many of these commandments, and he reframes them in such a way that are important for us. Now, I want you to hear this, and this is so important. God looks at the heart of man, and this is the problem with the law. The law is only a diagnostic tool to reveal heart disease. It cannot fix the problem. Listen to what 1 Samuel 16, 7 says. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus came to get at the heart of the problem, not just to deal with the behavior issue. And so this is so important as we look at this, is that Jesus, again, he didn't come to just tell you how to live a different life. He came to give you a changed heart. And that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God's Word. Now, Jesus doesn't start off with the first commandment or second commandment, not even the, uh, the fifth commandment. He actually starts off at the sixth commandment. And, there's, and I believe there's a reason for it. Now, check this out. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to bring them on Sundays. Matthew chapter 5. If you got it, that's to the right if you're new to the Bible. It's the first of the New, Go- uh, the new Testament, first gospel of four. And if you also have your phones... You can do that as well. That's the whole crazy thing about technology, right? You, if you want to pull out your phones, that's fine too. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said, 
to the people long ago. You shall not murder. Now, this actually comes from Exodus 20, 13. It's part of the Ten Commandments. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now, here's the thing. In our culture, we're okay with this. We all believe that murder is wrong. Amen? Like, if anybody's like, I don't know if there's a problem with that. Like, that's a different issue. (laughs) But did you know that the very first sin after Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know what the first sin was? It wasn't adultery. It wasn't lying. It was murder. And actually, you could argue that the first sin before that was probably jealousy or rage, but how it enacted itself was murder. It's the story of Cain and Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel were sons of Adam and Eve. And what took place is they both had jobs Cain tended to the trees of the field and did all those kind of things. He was a farmer. And then Abel, had he was a shepherd. And they each brought an offering to the Lord. And Cain, it says this, he brought some fruit. It, that's all it says. He brought some fruit, uh, a fruit offering to the Lord. But Abel brought the, a first of the newborn, a young goat. And the Lord was pleased with Abel's, but not with Cain's. Now, there's all kinds of debates about why this is, but I think here's the key. It says that Cain brought some fruit. He just picked some up and went, oh, here you got." He didn't think about it. There was no real sacrifice. He could have gotten it off the ground. Abel took a firstborn and surrendered. And Cain becomes jealous and raged with Abel and lures him out and ends up killing him. Hits him with the rock, crushes his head. Now, I don't want to get too much more into that because we could do a whole other sermon series. But here's the thing. Murder is not the same thing as killing. Murder is a malicious or evil intent. That's the intention of murder. It's to cause harm. It's because someone is a threat to you in one way or another. Killing can be accidental. It can also be justified. Would we agree with that? So it doesn't say thou shalt not kill. It says thou shalt not murder. Murder is a heart issue. There's all kinds of reasons why killing takes place. Um, R.T. Kendall, a theologian and writer, says this. Murder is a self-centered act. Why did Cain kill Abel? Well, we assume it was probably jealousy or rage. Why did King David have Bathsheba's husband killed? He didn't want to be found out. He was threatened. Why was Jesus murdered on the cross? Because he was a threat. The answer to all of these is simple but really profound. Jealousy, rage, contempt, fear, all these other emotions that we want to say. But quite frankly, what it really came out to was selfishness. Murder is a selfish act. It is thinking about your life over someone else's to the point that you're willing to get rid of them. Now, if murder is a selfish act, I think we all would agree that we stand against murder. Right? In fact, a couple weeks ago, I made a statement about the atrocities that have been happening in the Asian American Pacific Island communities. Their racism that leads to violence is wrong. Racism, period, is wrong. But especially when there's violence involved, we have to stand against that. Now, I want you to hear this. I'm not saying what I'm going to say next is not to bring shame. Please hear my heart in this. But if we're going to speak out on behalf of all life, we must speak out on all life, even when it's not popular. And so I don't want to share my words. I actually, I I want to share somebody else. But here's before I say this, I want to say this. All human beings, whether the color of their skin, their ethnicity, their religion, or their age, are created in God's image and are worthy of dignity, honor, respect, 
And please hear this, life. And we as a church must say that. Why? Because human life is sacred. And so I want to quote somebody so that you understand I agree with this, but I want my words to be very thoughtful on this. R.T. Kendall says it this way. When a newborn person is a threat, perhaps to one's plans or happiness and the solution is abortion, it is murder. Abortion is murder. I'm speaking generally and not with reference to mitigating circumstances. I realize that there are reasons why some women need to have an abortion to save their life. That's not what I'm talking about. I speak of killing an unborn child merely because one doesn't want the responsibility of that child. Clear clear and simple, it's murder. Now, here's what I want you to hear. If you've had an abortion, God's grace covers that. That's why this isn't about shame. And I've talked to some women that have had abortions, and to this day, their heart aches over it. And I also want you to hear this. If you're a Christian, you will see that child one day in heaven. There's hope. Now, people don't agree with me on this. And you know what? That's okay. I don't care if you disagree with me because you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with God. (laughs) God declares that all life is sacred. And sometimes we're afraid to say the hard things. I have to say it because it's part of it. Now, I also want you to hear this, is that if you have had an abortion, if you've confessed and given it to Christ, you are forgiven. Period. End of story. Can I get an amen? You know what? Real quickly, I, I I don't know if there's somebody here who's had that. But can we just pray? Because I feel like, and maybe you know somebody who is dealing with the shame of that. Would you mind just praying with me real quick? Heavenly Father, there are all kinds of reasons why we make decisions. And and maybe there's someone here right now who either they've had an abortion or they know someone who has, and their heart is aching, and they're dealing with shame. God, I pray that you, in, in Christ, if they confess that and bring that to you, they are forgiven. Let them know the overwhelming power, the reckless love of God. Lord, we are forgiven and that for you, all sins in Christ have been dealt with once and for all on the cross and we don't need to walk in shame anymore. So release them in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. In the Old Testament system, if you had committed murder, you actually were brought before uh, not a jury of your peers. That's an American concept. You were brought before a religious panel. And in Jesus' time, it was called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin would determine if you were guilty. Now, by law, you had to have two or three witnesses to determine if whether or not you were guilty. So it couldn't just be, hey, uh, you know, I feel like John Hopple. I saw John Hopple kill somebody. You couldn't just say that. John's all nervous now. You missed it. There actually had to be two or three witnesses. Why? Because how, how easy would it be to get rid of an enemy by accusing him of a wrong crime? You always need witnesses. And that was not a new thing. Even in the Old Testament, they demanded this. Deuteronomy 19.15. One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And guess what? If those witnesses were caught lying, that had their own principle. They had their own consequences to it. So why is life so sacred? Well, Genesis 9-6 says it this way. Whoever sheds human blood, by human shall their blood be shed. Why? For in the image of God has God made mankind. Humans are made in the image of God. We are image bearers of God. Numbers 35-30. Anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the testimony of witnesses. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. God cares about all life and that's why murder is wrong. 
especially when it's malicious. And killing, even in our judicial system, we have degrees in which we look at actions, right? You have murder, you have manslaughter. Manslaughter is, hey, what you did was wrong, but it wasn't intentional. It was, it was a careless act, and there still must be consequences. And so here, Jesus starts off by saying, hey, you've heard this, and we all get it. We all agree. We all agree that when someone takes a life, there should be consequences. Now, personally, I stand against the death penalty. That. Personally, I stand against it. That's an Old Testament law, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's not a New Testament thing. That's Moses. I think Jesus came to bring something different, personally. Okay. Now, you might go, I don't, I don't know if I agree with you. That's cool. Here's where Jesus shakes things up. And are you ready for this? Because <laughs> this is where it gets uncomfortable. <laughs> this is where it gets inconvenienced. If Jesus didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it, that means the laws are not, the laws, okay, you broke a law. I don't know about you, I have a hard time driving the speed limit. I don't do 40 and 15, let me just make that clear. I don't do that. But we like to push laws, we like to push boundaries, and here's what Jesus says upset. Four words. How many of you have ever said something and as soon as it came out of your mouth, like, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. Jesus didn't regret this, but I'm telling you something new. Wait a second. That's God's law. Who are you to say that you have something better than God's law? Well, he's God. And they didn't get that. The religious leaders were super upset by those four words immediately, hearts closed. Now, I'll tell you, in churches, I see this all the time. When I've said something you don't agree with, I see people, I see like the force feels up, right? Like is to shut down. I'm asking you, open your eyes, your ears, and your heart, and allow the Holy Spirit to say something different to you today. We all need that. But I tell you <laughs> that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will also be subject to judgment. Angry. If you're angry, how many of you have ever been angry for? If you don't admit that you are, then you're a liar, and that's a whole different thing. We'll get to that one later. <laughs> We've all had anger. Listen to what the American something you feel has deliberately done you wrong. Now, here's the, now, here's the first thing. Anger in itself is neither good nor bad. It's simply a chemical response in the brain that God has designed. Anger is not a sin in itself. It's why you get angry and what you do with that anger that makes it sin. Anger is no different than happiness or sadness. It is an emotion. Emotions themselves are neutral. It's why they're there and what comes after that is the problem. Does that make sense? Oppression and hypocrisy. Now, before you get all judgy on people that have maybe, maybe there is somebody here who's murdered. Or maybe there is somebody here who's murdered. Or accidentally killed somebody, somebody or had an abortion, or you've gotten anger. Now we are all in need of a Savior. To, we are all in need of a Savior to rescue and redefine us. Amen? And so we must look at this differently through the eyes of Christ. Jesus knows what's at the heart, the root of murder. It's anger. And then all of the branches that come from the fruit of anger, bitterness, malice, rage, contempt, jealousy, fear, the list could go on and on. But ultimately, it comes down to self-centeredness is when you have unrighteous anger. That's where it comes from. Now, this was a problem for the religious leaders. So yeah, they didn't actually go out and murder somebody, but in their heart, they had all kinds of murderous thoughts. I mean, just think about it. In about three years, these Pharisees had talked to somebody who said, you know, Jason, I didn't crucify Jesus. I forgive the people who killed him. And I'm like, wait a second. No, no, you did. 
I did. Jesus went to the cross because of our sin, because of our anger. They were the ones who may have done it, but we were participating. I have, according to Jesus, then now I'm just as guilty in God's eyes. I've committed a different kind of murder, the murder of a soul, a murder of a person. Notice he doesn't say you're going to hell. He says you'll be in danger of the fires of hell. But what do do these two words mean? Well, I want to walk through them very quickly. Raka is an Aramaic term that literally means empty-headed or worthless. Fool, well, the Greek word for fool is more, which is where we get our word moron. A person is unworthy of love and dignity and that they person is unworthy of love and dignity and that they are worth nothing to the world. And that stands completely against the love of God. And I want you to hear this. If you, I want you to hear this. If you ever heard in your life that you don't matter. Do you ever heard in your life that you don't matter? Jesus says, if you've done one dream, yo. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Now, here's what I want you to hear, okay? We have this list of unacceptable words, four-letter words, or of words. This is from uh, a modern neuroscience journal publication. It says, words can literally change your brain. A single, a single, not a bunch, one negative word can increase the activity in our amygdala, the fear center of the brain. This releases releases dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters, which in turn interrupts our brain's functioning. This is especially with regard to logic, reason, and language. Angry words send alarm messages through the brain, and they partially shut down the logic and reasoning centers located in the frontal lobes. This is by Newberg and Waldman. Emotional words, hurtful words like, I hate you, you're an idiot, worth muscle tension. Body aches, lack of concentration, and worst but not least, we have kids now who are committing suicide because of horrible words that have said to them online. We have this new vehicle in which we get to shame and say mean things to people called Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the ones who are paying the price for it are our children. Words matter. And words are a reflection of the heart. There are no careless words. We think they're careless, but the Bible tells us that one day, all of us, including me and you, will give an account for the words that we've said. And I know this is why I need a Savior, because I've said some really dumb things. I've said them out of anger. I've said them out of jest. Here's the crazy part. It took modern medicine centuries, thousands of years, to confirm what the Bible's been saying all along. Words can kill. You want to know why I trust the Bible? Because science is just now catching up with a lot of the things that Scripture has been saying for 3,000 years. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James chapter 3, verses 5-8, through eight, likewise the tongue restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Our words are eternal life residing in Him. Notice what it says, eternal life residing in Him. You have eternal life within you right now. The kingdom of heaven isn't some future far-off thing. It resides in you right now. We are meant to be life givers. We are meant with our words, with our actions, to be people who make a difference in the world. We must be careful about our words. Now, I want to tell you there are degrees of anger. There are, there's such a thing as righteous anger. Righteous anger is when it's, it's not about you, it's about other people. Jesus got angry. This is why he turned over the temple courts when they turned it into a marketplace. He got angry at the hypocrisy of all anger is bad. In fact, there is some anger that is okay. 
Righteous anger comes from a different place. This is from Daniel Doriani. Let us mark the nature of Jesus. He was slow to anger. That's what I pray I become as somebody who's slow to anger. His anger was mingled with the grief over such sins as hypocrisy, willful misunderstanding, fruitlessness, and unbelief. Unlike us, he did not become angry at personal mistreatment. We are quick to anger at personal offenses, but slow to anger over sins that offend God and mankind. There is a place for righteous anger over sin. Righteous anger can turn unrighteous very quickly. That's the thing. We can start off in a good place, being, right, being angry about the right thing, and all it takes is just a little bit of fleshiness. You know what I'm talking about? You have a reason to be upset, and all of a sudden it turns into slander or gossip or malice or bitterness. And what started off as a good anger very quickly becomes a bad anger. Typical anger is not righteous. Let's just be honest. Most of the time when we get angry, it's not over righteous things. It's because we were offended. We were hurt. We felt slighted. And so immediately we're like, well, now I get to be angry. And darn it, I no longer speak the truth in love. It's about your hurt instead of the hurt done to others. It's coming from another wound. You ever realize how often we get angry about something that we were already sore about and we just didn't know it yet? It's those little buttons. My kids know how to push those buttons real quick. <laughs> and the crazy part is, you know who we usually get angry with? The people we love. Why is it that we are far more gracious and compassionate to people we don't know and so quick to get angry and say hurtful things to the people that we should love who know love us? Because we're in need of breakthrough. What if instead of bringing shame and condemnation, Jesus is offering something better? Loudenberg and Ron Loudenberg. This is Ron Loudenberg. And Ron Loudenberg goes, yeah. So you get, remember what this sermon series is called, Unconvenienced. What if God is, instead of just bringing shame and condemnation to make us all feel bad, what if he's actually inviting us to break through? What if the reason why he's doing this is not simply to make you go, yeah, I'm a murderer, but because he wants to get to the heart of who you are to bring change and freedom? This is what I think is taking place. What if this is actually an opportunity for breakthrough from the, the spiritual stronghold of anger, malice, rage, bitterness, hurtfulness? This, for the stronghold, some of you, the, it comes from a different place. Now, here's what I want you to hear. Some of you, the real stronghold is not anger or the real stronghold is not anger or hatred directed. I wonder you're angry with others if you already are hatred directed. I wonder you're angry with others if you already are angry at yourself. If you have self-angry at yourself, if you have self-loathing, if you don't know your image, if you don't know your worth, maybe because of something spoken over you, of course you're going to get angry because you're all you and me free. And today is an invitation to breakthrough. And it starts like this. If you struggle with anger, be to it. I don't know anybody who's passive aggressive. You stay angry for days after the event has moved on. Anybody around you that can speak to that? Admit you struggle with anger and bitterness to forgive others or even yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where the lies are. Maybe you had something spoken over you that you've been carrying around for decades that has now changed who you are. Neurologically changed who you are so that you are quick to react. What lies are you believing about yourself or another person that Jesus doesn't believe about you or them? You need to go like it. You don't have to go and apologize for speaking truth and love. Did you catch that? That's not what he's saying. But if I know that Derek and I, so that he's not, bur so that he's not burdened with anger, it's my responsibility to say, hey, Derek, I know there's something between us. 
what, what's the crazy part? He's like, before you bring your gift, come and deal with this. This would have been news for the Jews because in the Jews, you had to bring your sacrifice to God first because it's always God first. We need to be people who are unconvenienced to deal with the hard things. That has to be a commitment we make to each other. It's hurt to say, hey, we, you hurt me. Talk it out. People think forgiveness is as simple as saying you're forgiven. Can we be a people who commit to growing in Jesus? Here's the unconvenience you to put yourself in the direct path of the power of the Holy Spirit. Your anger issues come from a deep wound. You can go to the Holy Spirit, you can go to His Word, and sometimes you need somebody who can help you process through. We need to be people who are not afraid of mental health issues. That isn't it. Can I get an amen to that? We need to be a church that is different. Now, I'm going to guarantee you, someone out there needed to hear this today and confess it. Ask God to reveal the lies. Because God wants to set you free. He wants breakthrough from the stronghold that has taken place. Can I get an amen? All right, let's come and worship the Lord. Yes, Father.